Okay, so we're live. Welcome back to the Magic Minds podcast. I'm Matt Bork. Welcome to John Dillon Street, Dublin A, where I grew up as a kid. I said I was going to come back here and do a little intro. Uh, so yeah, I'll talk a little bit more about this in a second. Um, last week's interview was with Brian Penny. Cracking interview. Absolutely loved it. I loved it. It's like actually saying I love one of my kids more than the other, but I absolutely loved that interview. It was one of my favourite interviews probably my absolute favourite to be honest you know but I do love all the rest of them it wasn't by coincidence I have all those people on but I love them for a different reason but this hit a lot of stuff for me professionally personally it just came at a great time in my life it was lovely and I loved the interview so if you haven't listened to it get over there and have a listen to it it was a cracking interview and Brian is an absolute legend of a lad I really enjoyed having him on so look here we are we're at the back of the St Nicholas and Myra Church um, Fra- Francis Street is the front of church. This is John Dillon Street. So this is a gate that I used to uh, play football here. It's at the back of the church. I was actually an altar boy in the church as well. I think from about say ten up to twelve. Uh, me and JC used to get on, but I don't think we're our best of mates anymore because of something that happened. But I'll talk to you about that in a minute. Uh, I'm sure he probably forgive me if he's a he's a forgiven type of type of guy. I'm sure he has forgiven me at this stage so yeah as I say we used to play football here oh so many memories we used to play World Cup heads and volleys then we used to make little camps at the back of the wall there you know what I mean when it was pissing rain uh, oh it was deadly it's deadly so yeah I'll, I'll give you a little insight as I said on the on Facebook I was barred off my roads so I was barred from the top to the bottom they used to have a, a bit of a neighbourhood watch but I'll t- give you a little insight to that Things never kind of happened in ones and twos for me. I kind of always got myself into a lot of trouble. Probably when that would have known me, I was probably a little bollocks when I was a kid, but I think I've changed a little bit since then. Well, the way I see it is, right, I had stuff done to me, so subconsciously I didn't know that I was acting out, and that's what was happening. So I forgive my little self for it, and I, uh, I hope people can forgive me and understand that I'm not the same person. And you too are not the same person as you were when you were a little kid so uh, sometimes we think that we think the people that are still the same people as they were when they done something years ago whatever. I'm not forgiving what I did I'm not forgiving what other people have done but we do we change and people change and you know we have to forgive ourselves we have to forgive other people that's really important for me I probably wasn't as uh, like that a long time I was pretty black and white and I wouldn't have forgiven me if, if, if I was that same person I'd be like no fuck him he's just a little bollocks but I see the world totally different now but anyway, the story was, was uh, I was in school and I'd thrown a banger into the, the, the teacher's staff room. So I got suspended uh, and I started to go to the nightclubs at this stage. I used to go to the apartments and my ma let me out. So I couldn't tell my ma that I was after getting suspended. So I convinced somebody that works up in Mead Street, an lad, to go up to the school and pretend he was my da uh, to get me off with it. But he went in and obviously bottled it and in there he told him he was my uncle. So they were absolutely fucking furious over that. They smelt the rat. Uh, and so I had to tell my ma. So she was going absolutely bananas over that. So that was strike one. And then strike two, just behind me up these steps, there's a vault. And down in the vault is where all the parish priests, uh, former priests or whatever, I think you have to be up some order to get in there. But they're all buried in there. And we used to play up there when we were kids, and we opened the vaults. Well, they were kind of the, the bars were broken, and we got into them, and we went down. And to my recollection, I don't think I all went all the way down, uh, but some of us did. Some did go down and went under, and obviously there was a big hoo ha about that. They said that we we tampered with the gra- or the the, 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 the the graves and all that, or the, the the coffins, and no chance that that definitely didn't happen. I definitely didn't do it. It's not something I would do. I'd be shitting back then. I'd be shitting now to do it. So uh, that that was strike two, and that got me into the uh, the newsletter. And my ma is mad for JC. She loves a bit of Jesus Christ in her life. Uh, so she was going bananas that I brought the family to shame, and I got her name in the newsletter. All of us, all of us got our names in. It was it was pretty tough times. Uh, I spent my life on on grounded. I was forever being grounded, but I think I got the longest stretch in solitary confinement around there, around then. And then also. Uh, strike three was was the neighbourhood watch. They had a neighbourhood watch here, and I wasn't actually that, that favourite person in the world. And I got into it just over there behind the camera. I got into a bit of a fight with one of them. 
13 or 12 year old lad getting into a fight with a couple of grown men but anyway that that uh, that brought it all to a head and they came down to me ma's door which is just down there and they wanted me barred out the road they wanted to speak to me ma but I wouldn't let them talk to her and they talked me way over so we came to a bit of a peace agreement a bit of a, a trade-off uh, I said I wouldn't be on the road anymore so it was a kind of a chosen bard uh, so yeah that's what got me me exiled from the road and uh, we, we came to a peace agreement and said that I wouldn't be on the road anymore and uh, people I'm just randomly this is six o'clock at night and I'm uh, filming this in the morning I usually do them in the morning but it's too dark now and uh, so just so they do it in the evening so there will be people going back and forth so yeah the story is it so it's barred off the road uh, sure me and Noel were already hanging around up at the statue a little bit more at this age and we were going to town so uh, it was grand it was grand and that was kind of the end of the road then but sure look it was amazing memories uh, as I say it was an altar boy there no problems with the priest I have to say that no problems at all actually the first time I ever experienced a wig was a guard car forces actually uh, yeah so this is one of the first times I ever experienced anybody with a wig one of the priest's father father O'Byrne or father O'Byrne yeah he was a he was a strange man but he used to grab a wig it was the worst wig in the world and uh, it was like a dead rat in his head it was all always crazy looking he was a he was a strange priest but I don't think he was the worst in the world uh, some of the priests were actually all right I remember back they weren't their uh, feckers not like some of the brothers in in the CBS that I went to so yeah that, that's my little history of St. John Dillon, of John Dillon Street. It was an amazing area. It's still lovely. It's well sought after. Uh, as I say, there's lots to do around here. France Street Church. Brendan Grace was just at his burial mass here a couple of weeks ago. So it's steeped in history. So check out the Liberties. Come around, have a view. Jovey Market's just up here. It was a, it's an old market that's there for years and years. It's been closed down. It's amazing. It had second-hand clothes. was food. was butchers. and It's been lying oil now for a long time. And you had Mother Redcaps just up beside it. So there's a lot of history in the area, you know. And it's, uh, it's sad to see those two actually iconic buildings just left there. Uh, lying dormant it'd be nice to see them uh, regenerate or something done with them i think there's plans but i don't know what uh, that's all about yeah so yeah it'd be nice to see those uh get a bit of a facelift another lady walking by okay so the interview today is with atuli mitra atuli mitra is a buddhist order member in the dublin buddha center and uh, down in town that i've attended i've done a course there in meditation i went to their the Sangha night, which is just the community that come together to meditate. I've been there a few times. It's just a lovely, lovely uh, place to be if you're interested in meditation or you're interested in mindfulness and metabaphna, love and kindness meditation. They're just lovely people to be around. Uh, so I just had a feeling or calling or want to go there when I come back to Thailand. So I spent a bit of time as I uh, done the course. And it was a fantastic course. And I really loved them. And while I was down there, I got to meet Atuli Mitra. And I just said, you know what, I'd actually love to have her on the podcast. She just has a lovely way about her. She's very, uh, she's very, uh, she just has an energy about her. I just want to spend some time with her, you know. Uh, so, yeah, she agreed to, to do the interview with me. So I was absolutely delighted to do the interview with her. Uh, on the interview, we just talk about our own journey. We only talk about uh, Buddhism, meditation, specifically metabaphana meditation. Uh, that's something I really lo- like myself and I really... Uh, try to practice more metapathin is love and kindness meditation so yeah it was an absolutely fantastic and oh, we also talk about awakening and enlightenment and i'm interested in all that uh, so yeah it was a really fantastic interview and uh, hopefully you enjoy this interview i'll just flick me pages i have to keep notes i don't normally keep notes as i said to you before but there's so much external stuff going on that if i don't i'll just forget because i'll be too busy watching what's around me and i'll forget what i was going to talk about so yeah, look, that's it for now. That's the interview. Have a listen to it. Let us know what you think. As always, I want to thank our sponsors, Noel Royley from Rooney Media Graphics, uh, Lisa and Sandra from the Shannon, Shannon's Hope Line, and then the Mental Health Warriors, Fran and Co over there. Uh, so check those guys out. If you need any graphic design, check out Noel. Mental Health is with uh, Shannon's Hope Line and the Mental Health Warriors. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Is there anything else? 
Yeah, always, always. I'm after being getting incredible messages off people. I'm getting incredible feedback about the podcast, some constructive feedback as well from people, and I absolutely love and it's brilliant. And I can't thank the listeners enough for for taking the time to text me or ring me and also to give me stick. I'm absolutely getting cane sometimes about all the videos I'm putting on Facebook as well, but I don't care. It's all in service of the podcast and uh, it's serving the community. When I mean my community, I mean everyone that listens to it, everyone that struggles with mental health, everyone that's uh, doing good in their own community or just interested in education, that's my community. So yeah, keep the feedback coming. I absolutely love it. It's absolutely deadly. One thing I will ask you to do is now think of something right now that you're grateful for, that you're thankful for in your life. And remember that. And then every day, for now till next week, till we come in again, I want you to think of something every day that you're grateful for. Uh, and I have found practice and gratuity it changes my mindset and things it, it automatically I go now to what what do I like about something rather than when I've always my my uh, autopilot used to be always miserable and giving out us loving oh that's a load of bollocks and blah 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 now I'm always looking for what do I like about something what do I like about someone what can I find in this person that we could get on with and uh, so yeah try it practice gratuity I like it you might like it and if you, if you don't that's cool I totally understand uh, so that's it that's for now have a listen to the interview and as always mind your little self take care of you in service of your community and the rest of the world have a fantastic day take care bye bye okay so we're live welcome back to the Magic Minds podcast I'm Matt Bourke on the show today is Atuli Mitri Atuli pleased to meet you and glad you're on the show thank you it's nice to be here yeah guys we're down at the, the Dublin Buddhist Centre uh, I've asked Atuli Mitra to come on the show to talk to us everything Buddhism, meditation, mindfulness and anything else we can squeeze in along the way so uh, I'm super excited are you nervous we'll come on the show? yeah it's not something I do very often yes. okay right. we, we'll go easy I know Aaron's here Aaron's just here for the uh, the eye candy he's, oh. uh, he's the looks of the show uh, so oh, I'm absolutely delighted I came here for a meditation course and when I sat in and you were the, the facilitator, says I have to get her on the podcast. It'd be brilliant. Thank you. Welcome. So look, let's start off. Tell us what is Buddhism mm-hmm. and where did it come from? Well, Buddhism is, it's a set, um, I was going to say a set of practices, but it's more than that. It's, it's, it's a way of life that started with the Buddha over two and a half thousand years ago. Um, a man who was on a spiritual quest became what we call enlightened Um, and as a result of that Buddhism was born Um, and has developed I suppose over the the, the two and a half thousand years in many many different ways the interesting thing about Buddhism is that uh, although we're, we're following the teachings of the Buddha um, when Buddhism has moved into other in different cultures, different countries around the world, it it merges with the culture there. So it has it has grown and developed and um, become what it is today. But what it is today, there are many many different schools and uh, schools of thought and, and uh, systems of practice. But when you go right back to the very beginning, it's all coming from the original teachings of the Buddha. Does it get does it get filtered down? Does it get diluted, or it just changes? And is that okay? It changes. Uh, it depends on who you ask if it's okay, because you know it's like with everything. Some people can be quite dogmatic about what the teachings are or what they're not. Being a bit of a purist myself, I like to go back to the original teachings, and the original teachings, the core teachings, are the core teachings for all all of the, the, the traditions of all of the schools. Um, so to become a Buddhist, what we say is, is that um, a Buddhist is someone who is going for refuge to the three jewels, three jewels being the Buddha, the Dharma, the Buddha being the person, uh, the Dharma being the teachings, um, and the Sangha, the Sangha being the spiritual community, community of people that are following um, the practices and the teachings. Wow. Mm. And that's I've been to a sangha, and I hear that's kind of like the community. Yeah. That was my first introduction to uh, Buddhism. I just said I need to go and do, and I looked it up, and you have a Tuesday night uh, sangha mm-hmm. uh, meditation night, and there's a brilliant talk. Mm. I just got to listen to that guy that was outside. What's his name again? Richard Mooney. 
Richard Mooney. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Brilliant, and he's got a great attitude. Yeah. He's quite funny. Yeah. What are the, what are the principles of Buddhism? The principles of Buddhism. Hmm. Um, I mean, to think what principles or rules. Um, there are no rules. There are invitations. Um, so it's, it's it's a way of life. We we live by what we call precepts, which are um, their undertakings. So. Again, there's there's different numbers of precepts. We start with five, and some traditions have over two hundred. I forget the exact number. Um, so if you become what we call a mitra here with the Sri Ratna community, so here in the Dublin Buddhist Centre, for example, uh, you would have five precepts, and they're just they're ethical guidelines that we live by. Um, when you become ordained to become a full and um, what we call order member, you take ten. Um, and they, they are ethical guidelines, but we take them as a vow as well, that we, we formally commit to trying to live by them as, as well as we possibly can every day. Mm. So, the, yeah, the, the, the five precepts would be um, not taking life or not harming living beings. So that's where things like vegetarianism, that is often associated with Buddhists, is, mm. comes from. And it's much, much broader than that, though. Um, uh, not um, not taking intoxicants, another, another interesting one. Um, speaking the truth. Um, being skillful in sexual activity, so no sexual misconduct. Um, I've forgotten the name. Or mindfulness being, oh yeah, um, let's not be intoxicants, being mindful. Um, uh, being generous, not taking, but not giving. Okay. Very good. Very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you can, anybody across the, whether you're practicing Buddhism or just not anything at all, you could live by those rules, couldn't you really? Oh yeah, I mean, certainly before I came to Buddhism, I would have lived by them in, in different ways. Um, I would have practiced Reiki, for example, and we would have had similar, similar vows or guidelines that we would have lived by. Oh yeah. 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 A lot of people have the misconception that Buddhism, Buddhism is a religion. It's yeah. not a religion. It's, it's more of a philosophy, right? It's, it is a philosophy. Again, there's the debate as to whether some people will say it's not a religion, others will be quite firm that it is. I think the biggest thing is is that um, we don't have um, a savior God. We don't. We don't have a God that we follow. The Buddha is not a God. Um, he's, he's a man who gained enlightenment, which means that we too can gain enlightenment um, if we follow the path. Um, so it's sometimes been called a, yeah, a way of life or a psychology. But again, there's always people who will dispute that. Um, it would be identified as a religion in that, for example, in the census, we would have identified ourselves as Buddhists under the religion um, question. Okay. But it's not a theistic religion. Yeah, and sometimes that's kind of, I kind of had those notions a long mm -hmm. time ago, and I loved the thoughts of Buddhism and mm -hmm. the practice and love and kindness and the, the, the philosophy. But then I, I used to think it was a religion. Mm -hmm. I'm scared off by religion. Like a lot of Irish people, somewhere, maybe the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. As oh no, I'm not gonna get involved. Even when I've came down here and the chanting, I know we spoke about it. I was like, oh, I'm not getting into this kind of stuff, you know, because this was in the back of my mind, you know. Again, it's coming from a different place. It's coming from one of the original teachings um, that everything else is built on is um, uh, conditioned co-production. So what it means is that all things are occurring dependent on conditions. All things are being independence on on the condi on conditions and um, it's very very complex and um, such as life <laughs> as life is and life is. Um, so part of that will also mean that um, because we're saying that everything's dependent on conditions we have to take responsibility for our own actions actions have consequences mm. um, and so although we don't have a god to save us we don't have a a God to confess to. What we do have is, is that we have a set of practices uh, where we're actually taking responsibility for ourselves and we, um, we live quite a, an ethical life. 
um, and there's all sorts of processes to do that within within the system of practice. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that the word religion kind of would scare people it, off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, even even with with what, some of the rituals that we have, there, there, there's a different way of approaching it. Um, I would often say to people, if if you bring mindfulness to whatever it is you're doing, even some of the the, the, the ritual that we do, um, what you're actually doing is is that you're you're setting up the conditions to move into a more positive mental state. So you're it's it's you're noticing what's going on as you're actually doing it and that's very different to the automated behavior that i know i would have done when when i would have been practicing catholicism and so it's i'm I'm very very aware of what's happening as i do it Mm. so it's much more personal um, and and i notice the benefit of of feeling better and at the end of of the particular ritual which is always fun fantastic What led you to the path of Buddhism and practice of Buddhism? What and I love the term practicing. Like when we done the meditation course, I'm practicing meditation. I'm practicing being mindful. I'm practicing being still. It just it just makes it easier. Kind of you know it's okay to fail. What brought you down that road of Buddhism? Um. I would have been on a spiritual quest for many years and I dabbled in all sorts of things, tried lots of things out, but nothing was quite hitting the mark. And then a sequence of events happened in, in my life, including a car accident, um, after which I developed a chronic pain condition and my life became extremely difficult. It, it, I felt like I was completely, I was losing all control. I'd had all sorts of ambitions about what was going to happen and something that was all in the world. Well, actually, it was no longer existent. Um, and so, as, as a result of that, um, I came across a book which was actually a mindfulness based book called Living Well with Pain and Illness by a woman called Vidya Mala Birch. And I thought Vidya Mala was a strange New Zealand name because it said that the author was from New Zealand. Um, but actually it was a Buddhist name. So uh, on reading the book, I, I decided that I was going to meet this woman and I was actually going to train with her. I just That was it. It was going to happen. Wow. It wasn't up for negotiation. And it did happen. Um, so I went, I trained with Breathworks in England and we met the team, the original team that, that set up the organization. And it... Um, it, they, they were very, very particular that this was, I, I'll say secular, uh, it was non-Buddhist, there was quite a firm boundary between their Buddhist practice and what they were teaching, on saying that what they were teaching was coming from their Buddhist practice. Okay. So I, I, um, I learned about uh, suffering um, and the fact that uh, there is suffering in life, but there's also an, an aspect to suffering called the there's, there's suffering that we can't change. So, for example, I live with a chronic pain condition. Mm-hmm. I can't change that. That is just what it is. Um, but there's a second, secondary suffering or secondary experience. And with that, um, that's what I do with my, my primary experience. It's, it's the thoughts that I have about it. It's, um, it's how I'm perceiving what's going on in my life or my, wow. in the moment. And so I began to realize that although I had um, this, this pain condition to live with, um, I was creating a huge amount of pain and suffering in how I was approaching the problem. Right. The and it was quite liberating for me. So at that point, I resolved to, to look more into it, which, which as I say, it, it proved difficult because they were so particular about um keeping that boundary around this was something that was being delivered to people with pain and illness um, as opposed to recruiting people into a, a Buddhist uh, movement. So um, I did training in England. I came back to Dublin, found the Dublin Buddhist Centre um, and the rest is history. I became more and more involved and became, it felt like I'd come home. And it's, that's probably the best way of describing it. There was just something 
there was something about the people I met. So again, I now know about the Sangha, so it's our, our community. Um, the people, they, they had a way of communicating with each other that even, even when things were difficult and they, they weren't always you know, saying things that were easy to say, there was always this, there was something bigger going on and this, this respect, and I've never experienced it anywhere else. So that was the reason why I wanted to become more involved. Um, but also I began to realize that this way of life was already, I was already feeling the benefit of it, um, particularly around the mindfulness practices. Uh, which are coming from the Buddha's teachings. So I, uh, I arrived at the centre one evening and just said I was committing myself fully and I wanted to be ordained and the rest is history. Wow. So, yeah. That's fantastic. And has that training and uh, the whole purpose and journey, has that really helped you uh, manage the pain and, yeah. and separate it? And people to take something from that does it it's a kind of like a two-tiered approach is a one is the pain and two then is your perception of the pain and you can have both you're gonna have the pain anyway but then you're hoarding yourself it's like worrying that i have a pain and then you also have the pain exactly exactly so it's um there's 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 different things there's the thinking about it but the more you become aware of sort of that mind-body connection and i mean aware in in, in, an, in the moment physical way the more you begin to realize that each time we're thinking there's the, the body's tensing there's there's something going on where the so, mind goes the body flows yeah 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 um, that was a jason brennan quote okay. from a book i'm hoping to interview him as well so i'm quoting it i'm name dropping so <laughs> yeah um yeah so for example you said that we've been laughing so if it, sensations in the body are quite different in that situation whereas if we think about oh oh you know i've got pain somewhere what does that mean does it mean that there's something more serious going on immediately the body's starting to to contract around the pain because there's something natural that will happen when we have pain and yeah. um, but if it's chronic pain you know the body naturally will contract around the pain because it's trying to protect an injured part but if there's no injured part and there's pain all you're doing is adding to the pain so you've got to be the thoughts about it you go oh thought okay but then you've also got contraction in body oh yeah contraction okay softening wow so that's that's what you're constantly doing with 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 bringing the mindfulness practices um to uh, for example pain management so for me that was quite liberating separating separating the two and i can relate to that because mm -hmm. i used to you know suffer I still do anxiety, mm. but I'd wake up in the morning to check mm. if I had anxiety, mm. and then as soon as I start checking, I had anxiety because I was anxious about being anxious, and then all of a sudden I fed the, the beast, and then it just became this cycle. Mm. It's yeah. like they don't think of a pink elephant. <laughs> yeah. We instantly think of the pink elephant because we're trying to figure out what it is we're not supposed to think about. That's gas, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're an interesting species. Oh, you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fake. Let's talk about the meat and bones of what I loved about this place. Meditation. Yeah. What is meditation? What is the difference between Buddhist meditation? Yeah. Um, Buddhist meditation is is training the mind. Um, I think there are other uh, other practices. Um, you know, from some of the, some other, I'll say, traditions that I would be aware of. So you can have creative visualization. You can have practices maybe through hypnosis, which are yeah, there's another debate in there. Um, you have uh, some of the what I would call the more new age practices. Personally, what I would say about the practices are that they're all coming from a root of a much older tradition, um, and even even Buddhist meditation. The Buddha was meditating before he became enlightened and therefore became the Buddha. The Buddha would be just, you know, he was the awakened one. Um, so what we're doing with the practices is, is the, with the practices that you would have been learning at the center, um, is we're training the mind to focus on what we're choosing to focus on. Uh, what we're also trying to do is, in the process of doing that, we're, um, we're, we're moving ourselves into more positive mental states. So we've got, for example, the mindfulness of breathing, which is, is 
is it can be a very wonderful practice for stilling the mind. I know personally I'll always do it when my mind is busy because it is that just coming back to the breath, coming back to the breath. Um, and then with the loving kindness, the metta bhavna practice, what we're doing with that is, is that we're, we're bringing ourselves into a, a, a positive mental state of unconditional friendliness, unconditional kindness and love for uh, ultimately all living beings. But they're both training. They're both training the mind. Yeah. Um, it doesn't all just happen. It's not. I love the quote you said here one day. What is what? What's meditation not? Mm. Uh, you know, people think you know it's this kind of superpower. It's mm. yeah. yeah. It's quite simple. It's yeah. quite simplistic in its process, isn't it? Really. Yeah. And it's not zoning out either. Um, which yeah. Is another one that people think. Um, you know, because sometimes they say if, if you looked at a group of people meditating, it looks like they're just sitting there doing nothing. But actually, it's hard work. Oh, <laughs> like it's it's yeah, actually yeah. it's it's hard work to just stop to to turn off that internal yeah. filter, the monkey yeah. mind, yeah. the zoning yeah. out. Yeah, and to be doing that with the patience and the kindness to that monkey mind, because the mind is just doing what it's designed to do. So what we're constantly trying to do is patiently come back again and again. So what we're doing there is, is that we're we're training the mind to focus on something, but we're doing it with kindness. So you've got both practices within just those steps. We're, we're actually learning to be kind to ourselves in the process. And that's the first step of being kind to all living beings. We find that really difficult, don't we? Being kind. We're, we're good. Yeah. We're good for saying nice things yeah. to people. We don't really like getting compliments. Yeah. Uh, but we, you know, and then we try to compliment ourselves. It just mm. doesn't feel right for some people, does it? No, it doesn't. I, um, yeah, because I've been doing this work for a long time. I would be a mindfulness teacher um, as well. And, um, yeah, in our culture, we do find a lot of that very, very difficult. I usually start with, it's okay. Or, I don't think I'm doing very well right now, but that's okay. It's okay. And, yeah. and that's the first step. And we just start building from there. Um, until we reach a point where we can actually get on with ourselves most of the time. And, you, and I've said this loads, and I wrap up on the podcast loads of times, and I say, be kind to you, mm. be be gentle to you, and you are gentle to the rest of the world. Exactly. Like, if you're feeling rough and you're not exactly. being kind to yourself, yeah, yeah. the world yeah. is going to get it in the neck yeah. sometimes, yeah, yeah. you know? I love, um, I, where, where I um, teach, I teach a lot of meditation, uh, mindfulness in particular, out in communities, and often, particularly, the, the mammies come back and they'll say that the teenagers or the partner um, will often sort of say to them, once they've established a practice, oh, you, ha you haven't meditated today, look, you go on ahead and do it, and we'll do such and such. Um, yeah. And the number of people who will come and say that, it's, it's often women, but that's often because it's more women like yeah. the classes. Um, and I, you know, I, I firmly believe it's because not only do does the person who's meditating feel better, but there's a knock-on effect on everyone. Oh yeah, it's a. Because they come back in in a more positive mental state. It's a pebble in the pool, isn't it? Yeah. Just before we move on to mindfulness, how do we get more males involved in this environment? More people, more men meditating. You know, I've gone to the girl Louise meditation my area in the Dublin A, and she did a fantastic job. But it's predominantly all females, and I. I've seen huge benefit myself just yeah. being, although my meditation is not as consistent as I would like, my attitude has changed. Yeah. I'm open to love and kindness. Yeah. I'm open to, to looking after myself. Yeah. How do we get more males involved? Um, a good question. You probably need to ask men that question. Mm. Um, my thought on it would be that, you know, is it, is it more that men are a wee bit afraid that it is soft and fluffy? Uh, and, and it's not sort of macho, but then, you know, when you look at things like um, uh, the warriors, um, they, they would have practiced mindfulness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, samurai, the samurai, for example, if you take a look at the way they would have worked, yeah. um, uh, their discipline would have been very meditative, uh, and they were very good warriors. Absolutely, but if you take away like the you know the shrines and the, the bells and whistles, the practice is is just being bringing it back to you. It's bringing it back to you. Bringing it back to you, yeah. being the, the watcher of your thoughts. Yeah, you know. exactly. And it takes courage. Absolutely. It takes courage, and it takes that 
have you have you mastered that no. to a better degree? Yes. Ah, <laughs> to a better degree. Okay. I'm a few steps further on than I would have been ten years ago. Yeah. But I haven't mastered it. Wow. That's why we call them practices. Back to the practice. Back to the practice. Back to the practice. Yeah. So what I do say to myself is like, well, look, at least you're aware of it. You're not caught up in the in the in the, the subconscious world. This I sometimes come out of it, and sometimes I drift back in, depending on my. That's uh, the human condition. That's what we do. So um, yeah, particularly in the early days, what we're doing is we're patiently recognizing and coming back over and over again. And what happens is the more we're doing that, we're actually creating new habits. We're creating new ways of thinking and being. Um, and we're creating new neural pathways. And we are actually bringing changes to the brain and the way that we're working with it, mm. as well as with the mind. It's very, it's very obvious. And when you know, if you had a stressful event in your life, you had an argument with somebody, you can see how caught up, like hours and hours go by. Mm. And I found by going, let's come back to the breath. Yeah. Let's come back to the now. Let's. Mm. It gave me that gap between that space that like that and there's a space between and there's no worries there then all of a sudden I go back yeah and then I come so, back yeah and that's it so we notice oh look and um, you know that um that the mind has gone off we're back into the storyline we're back into all of that mental proliferation that, that pancha as we call it um and then we just recognize oh yeah that's where I am okay but right back now okay back to the breath so what's happening right now what else is going on here? What's you know, I'm feeling the body in contact with the chair. I'm feeling the feet in contact with the, the blocks in my face. Um, I'm just noticing all of that. I'm noticing the breath. And even in the process of doing that, the more we do that, the more the body goes, oh yeah, we're, we're back into that calming that mode. And if we if we bring the attention to the out-breath, the body will calm. If we're getting too drowsy, what we can actually do is bring our attention to the in-breath and the energy will move up. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, again, it's becoming the watcher over, isn't it? Just keep bringing it back. Uh, one thing I did find was grounding was the, the breathing, but then it's also walking barefoot, whether it be in grass or out in the concrete. My girlfriend thinks that everyone in my neighborhood are going to think I'm bonkers, but they already do. Yeah, so it's cool. Yeah, it's good bonkers. I go out with my dog and I just take my stockings off and I walk the streets. They're probably going, that, that fella's nuts. Well, he's getting more nuts, you know? <laughs> Let's talk about my favourite meditation. We touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, Metta yeah, yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Are you a big fan? I'm, I'm a lover of it. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I know the power of it. Um, I will admit that um, initially I would tell everybody how good it is, but I was avoiding doing it myself. I remember you telling me that. <laughs> yeah, um, and I do know that partly that was because I knew how powerful it was and I was just a wee bit afraid to go there. Um, I, at one point, would have done it as a practice. I, I made a conscious commitment to do it every day, and I did it every day for two years. And the power of it, the change that happened in that time, was quite remarkable. Um, it's it's very hard to, to say what, what happens with it, but it's like um, we begin to see others in a very different way. We begin to recognize the, the shared experience in one another and even if someone's annoying us that actually ultimately they're 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 doing what they're doing because they want to be happy and free from suffering just like us yeah. or just like me it's just they're doing it in ways that i may not approve of but ultimately we're actually all just we're all just doing the best that we can yeah um and the metabolism i think brings us to a natural way place of recognizing that it's almost like our heart recognizes it rather than our mind is telling us the story. I was yeah. I was hooked on it when I listened to Jack Cornfield yeah. and he brought Love and Corner. I listened to a, a YouTube video and I was like, think of someone that you knew. I did straight up I started with someone that I love, like my daughters, and I brought them and I visualized them sitting in the bed. I was nearly like a drug. I was addicted. I was like, this is lovely. I absolutely love this. But then when we came down here, you guys switched around. And said you have to love yourself and give yourself love and kindness. So the principle, the my understanding was was one, you, you offer love and kindness to yourself. Mm -hmm. Two, then you, you pick some a loved one. Yes. Three is somebody that has no influence in your life. You know somebody in the yeah. shop or people you pass on the bus. 
And then the fourth is somebody that you have a disagreement. I know you said here the enemy, but That's that could be a bit. It could be a bit strong for people because you bring someone forward, but somebody that can be really irritant that's happened in your life present, not too graphic or disturbing. And then you offer kindness to all those those people then together as well. Because that's the practice, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and the reason that it's done in, the, in that sequence is, is, is the originally, because it's coming from a tradition where people don't dislike themselves in the way that we in the West do, um, the idea is that we're moving from who we find it easier to, to be nice and kind and friendly to to, to, to unconditionally love um, and we're, we're step by step moving towards those that are more difficult and ultimately the whole world mm-hmm. well, actually all living beings in, in all <coughs> all ten directions to be. yeah I have to say I picked a couple of people in work that, that irritated me mm-hmm. and not their fault just because I was irritated by their actions because they triggered something in me but by practicing love and kindness yeah. and bringing those into my meditation and thinking about them I stopped dehumanizing them. Yeah. Just like you said, they have struggles. Like I think about stuff that's going on in their family that I know and yeah. or whatever. And I go, ah, do you know what? Yeah. I wish them well. Yeah. I, I wish them love. I wish them kindness. Yeah. Yeah. They are irritating, but I'm sure I'm equally as irritating, but that's okay. I remember having, and when I was, when I was doing it for the, um, the, the two years, a point came where somebody did something that um, it really annoyed me. And I, was, I was quite... Um, well, the interesting thing was, I felt like, or I thought that I should be very angry with this person, and I was trying to bring up the anger, um, but all that kept coming through was compassion for them, um, really? and that was when I realised, wow, this is a powerful practice. Really? Yeah, it was really, really interesting. I mean, I didn't condone what they had done, but I recognised that there was there was a whole lifetime of a story that was behind why they were behaving the way that they were. And uh, I just saw it in a completely different light. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting practice. Oh, I think it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. And it, it probably is probably soft and fluffy for some people, yeah. but hell, it feels good in here. Like it feels really good. It feels like the right thing to do. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's not. Um, I love there's a quotation from Sangharachita who would have been the founder of the Truratna Order and Movement. And um, he says, um, the metabathna is not a kindergarten practice. It's, it's, it's actually a tough practice to do because we are asking ourselves to step up and to actually um, love and care um, about others in a heartfelt way, unconditionally. But also opening up a vulnerability because I yes. felt like I was being vulnerable going, do you know what, I want love and kindness because I have to admit to somebody this is not working for me, this mm-hmm. this can't happen, I need love and kindness in my life. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I feel exposed here. Mm-hmm. But it was being authentic to myself to say, I need love and kindness in my life. Mm-hmm. And that leaves you vulnerable. And people mm-hmm. might find that a little bit difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can. Um, but ultimately, I suppose because you're doing it um, for yourself, it comes back to that sense of responsibility for self that, you know, it's all coming from our own interpretation of the world mm. and our own interpretation of our experience. So if, if I need loving kindness, well, what do I need to do for myself, within myself, to bring that here? Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, and then there's... So it's for me personally at this stage, it's like loving kindness is it's just something that's there. It's something that's, that's innate in the universe, and I'm tapping into it. Um, and I'm getting the benefit of that. But then it's also <coughs> radiating out. So sometimes imagine it radiating out like ripples yeah. and out into the world. Um, but it can also be ripples in all, all of the directions. But it's, it's like a feedback as well. It's also coming back. So, um, yeah, it's, it's complex. It is. Life is complex. For everything just down to complex. And one thing was brilliant on the course that we've done here. We talked about the distractions to meditation, yeah. distractions to mindfulness. Mm. I think they're quite apt to anything we do in life, yeah. there's distractions. Can we talk about those? Yeah. Um, yeah, the, 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 traditionally there are the, the, the distractions or the hindrances to meditation. Um, but what's really interesting about them is, is that the more you get to, to recognize them when you're meditating, 
the more you begin to realize that actually you're doing them pretty much throughout the day as well. And that was such a learning yeah. for me because yeah. when we spoke about them on the course, I know he was thinking, ah, this is a avoidance, yeah. this yeah. is anxiety, this is sloth and poor, whatever, yeah. the poor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they just come up all over the place. I mean, a sloth and torpor would be the one that I would do. A sloth and torpor really just means it's like a sleepiness or a heaviness in the mind and the body. Um, and uh, I certainly have recognised that that was my go-to one. Whenever I wanted to avoid something, I just go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really meditating. So what, what are the, what's the first one is avoidance and... Um, yeah, there's restlessness, um, irritability. So there's, it says that... Um, yeah, just fidgety, just feeling like you should be somewhere else, um, yeah. not here. And so there's that one. And the slough and torpor, which is the, um, the tiredness, sleepiness, the heaviness. Mm. And there is sense desire, which is, is an interesting yeah. one because that can be just about everything and anything. That's me. Oh, I'm dreaming, you know, what I'm going to do tomorrow, what I'm going to have my lunch, what, what, what I say to this person oh, yeah, when I meet yeah, them. Yeah. I designed the ideal meditation cushion regularly as well. <laughs> Whenever the meditation cushion gets uncomfortable, I'm off. And that sense desire, because I'm just imagining what it would be like if the body was comfortable. Um, again, down the line. Ill will. Ill will. Yes, it's interesting that about that. Yeah. Ill will um, is, it, it's... Again, ill will can be that we start to get into the storyline of well, the shoulda, woulda, coulda, they said, she said, he said, or it can be ill will towards ourselves too. You know, this is I'm, I'm useless at this. I shouldn't. Yeah. Absolutely. Two days after I done the course, I was doing the yoga, yeah. and I don't know, I'm brutal at this. So I should just stick to this, lifting weights. Yeah. I'm better at that. Oh no, good. Why would I be doing this? And I went, yeah. aha! This is what happened in the meditation course the other night. I was like, this is crazy. And then there's an overlap there too, because doubt's coming in there, and doubt can manifest as, well, is this really working? Well, am I any good at this? Or, um, you know, well, that teacher, I'm not too sure about the teacher, and maybe I should have signed up for such and such instead. Yeah, I maybe did I this doing, I don't know, dress making class, maybe, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, so that would be doubt as well. But we're doing it constantly in everything that we do, and it's really funny, um, when we begin to notice it. You know, we do develop a sense of humour over breakfast. Yeah, I have. It was a great learning for me, yeah. and I'd be watching, going, "Yeah, I'm in sense and desire here, or I'm in yeah. ill will, or yeah. excuse me, or anxiety and restlessness." They sometimes predominantly would be in ill will, but more desire, yeah. Yeah. and then I'd bounce into if I'm not good at something, I go yeah. straight into ill will. Oh, you're not good at this. Opt out. Opt yeah. out. Yeah, and I was nearly giving up yoga, yeah. and then I was like, "No, I'm gonna stick this out." We can be so good at beating ourselves up, um, and, and then we can be very good at, as I say, thinking about how bad everybody else is in the world. Absolutely. I meant to share a story with you about when we were talking about love and kindness. Yeah, I came down here to meditation, to the, the Sangha night, yeah. and I was like, uh, right down here to meditate, uh, and there was a guy, ta- a guy was trying to talk to me, and I was like, <laughs> Judging him, I was like, well, yeah, but shut up, he doesn't stop talking. I'm down here to meditate. I'm going to do some serious meditate. This guy won't stop annoying me, blah, blah, blah. And then I was watching myself, because I've been watching myself the last few years of judging people and going, stop, you know, because I've got this unconscious bias sometimes, and I'm checking on. And after the meditation, he came up and said, wow, you're really doing well there. You really got stuck into it. And he gave me a bracelet. And I was like, wow. Like, I was judging this person, but yet they gave me love and kindness, gave me a bracelet. And I was like, like that is crazy. I, I couldn't stop thinking about it all night. I felt bad. But then I was being kind to myself and going, that's just something you normally do. But at least you're checking in yeah. and, and trying to get away from judging. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, judgment's interesting because we naturally will judge because we're constantly trying to judge it. You know, this person belongs to my tribe or not, or this environment is this safe, you know. So there's, there's always um, a, a sense of this judging thing. But where, where it, can, it can, the thing about judgment also is, is that it separates us from one another. And ultimately what we're trying to do with the practices um, is, is to break down that barrier and to, to recognize that ultimately, you know, we're, we're, we're all having similar experiences. And, yeah. Yeah, I just uh, I thought it was brilliant uh, that he, he did that, 
and it was such a wake-up call there for me and look you're there judging he's just giving you love and kindness and i came down here with the hope of doing a love and kindness meditation course mm-hmm. how apt is that eh? yeah 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 sometimes that's again it's, it's back to that sense of perception isn't it and, and the stories that we're telling ourselves so you had an expectation coming in here you came in expecting loving kindness to be a particular thing Whereas actually, it, it turned out to be so much more than you'd expected. And, 100%. And, yeah. And sometimes, you know, all of these practices, it's the small stuff that makes the difference. It's not the, it's not, it's not just the teaching. Very often, it's the, it's the little acts of kindness. It's um, the journey, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 Can we talk about manifestation and consciousness and well, I know we talked off the mic saying what's conscious, what's manifestation. Yeah. Very similar to you deciding that you're going to go meet that lady. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it happened. Yeah, well, it didn't just happen. I, I made it happen in some ways. You, oh. But there was there was a sequence of events, too. I, I, did, I was lucky in some ways. Um, yeah, manifestation is an interesting one. I mean... Um, you know, one of the things that we say is, is that all experiences is a created by mind, preceded by mind, led by mind, so that we're, we create all of our experience, but there can be a misunderstanding too that, you know, certain books and films that were very popular a few years ago, okay. um, where we, you know, if, if I manifest, if I think if I think hard enough and visualize strongly enough that I'm going to have a big mansion with a swimming pool, that is actually going to happen. No, that's not, because yeah, I used to yeah. say, I'm going to marry Hayley Berry, <laughs> but I never left my bedroom. And I was really disappointed that she didn't knock over my mass and ask me out. So manifestation didn't work for me back then. <laughs> yeah. So I think you have to leave your bedroom, yes. and it has to be kind of realistic. Yeah, we have to, we have to take, uh, we do have to take responsibility. Yeah, and I used to check my phone, and I was like, she didn't text, she didn't text. No. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's my childhood. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it's about my man. To me, manifestation is you have thoughts, you have actions, yeah. and you pursue them. You're obviously realistic, but yeah. you, you again, it's like putting one step forward on your journey. Yeah. Like when I yeah. made that decision, I want love and kindness in my life. I went to Thailand. I met a monk, yeah. Ram, and I met uh, home. He was my driver. He was a, a Buddhist. He practiced yeah. uh, being a monk for ten years, yeah. and that's where my life brought me and the experience, and it brought me here. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, manifestation in that sense. Yeah, um, and, and I suppose from, again, from the, the Buddhist practices point of view, ultimately what we're trying to manifest is is positive mental states um, um, so that we finally let go of greed, hatred, and delusion. And that's what we're constantly trying to work toward. Um, because that will be what enlightenment is, is the snuffing out of, of those, of craving, of, of um, the things that motivate us uh, most of the time and, and basically cause our suffering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that kind of segues into my next question, enlightenment and awakening. Yeah. When people, when I first start thinking about meditation and all that, it was like I was looking for a higher power. I want to be enlightened. I want to be awake. Yeah. I feel like I am more awake and more conscious. My interpretation for awakening for me now is, being the watcher of my thoughts, yeah, yeah. being watcher of not being present, yeah. and I'm becoming awake mm. that I'm not consciously living in a, mm. in a subconscious world. Mm. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, certainly um, what's, what's popping in is, is those things would be insight with this. You know, what we often say is like a small light as opposed to a capital I. So um, enlightenment... It, Again, it, it can be defined in lots of different ways, and we won't really know it until we're, we're there. It's 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 much it's 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 much bigger than our mind can actually um, imagine. Um, so all of those moments of insight that we have, you're imagining that in I don't know, hundredfold, millionfold, whatever, that we we no longer feel. The, the push-pull of a version of pushing things away because we don't like them or we're trying to pull things towards us more and more because we do like them and we want more of them and we can actually fully experience simply what is. Wow, um, I love that. I just love that. It would be wonderful, but as I say, until until I'm enlightened, I'm not going to be able to tell you really what enlightenment is. 
that that's a great analogy that push pull and we see it all the time i want that i don't want that i want you i don't want you and i used to do that all my life oh give me this get rid of that in out yeah. instead of just being yeah. i do that with um with emotions oh yeah we're doing it with everything you know Absolutely. Oh, i don't want this emotion i want this and i'll chase this or i'll get rid of that yeah. now i just whether i'm having a state of anxiety or depression or whatever mm-hmm. i just say this is what it is it won't last just like when I'm in grey form, yeah. it won't last. Oh, enjoy it, savour it. Yeah, and I just yeah. tell that to people. Like yeah. people going, oh, I don't want to be too happy because I'll probably be miserable tomorrow. And I was like, you'll probably be miserable tomorrow anyway. Yeah, so enjoy it. Yeah, experience. and that's oh, something yeah. even I talked to my mum about, you know, when she had an injury or something, she said, oh, I don't want to start celebrating too soon. Yeah. I was like, ma, just enjoy it today because yeah. tomorrow you'll probably be in a hoop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we do that, don't yeah, we? we? We don't do. live in the moment. Yeah, we don't, and we miss so much because of that. There's so much happening in any given moment, and because we're we're on that like that treadmill or that autopilot mode, we, we miss so much because we're constantly trying to push experience away, hold on to experience, or want we want to be somewhere else than here. Um, yeah, we're always trying to we're always trying to get out of the present by jumping into the past. It's like we we stay on the horizontal. We're either down here or up here. Yeah. But we never kind of stay here. It's just a little bit uncomfortable, isn't it? It, is. it can be for us. Yeah. By being here, I think. Do you listen to Eckhart Tolle at all? I haven't in a long time. I would have read him. Oh, I love him. Yeah. Yeah. He was my. He's got me through some difficult times in life. His books and his attitude and his whole. He's brilliant. Yeah. 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 You know, he talks about being on a plane. You know, we 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 are in the past, so we're in the future. But we stay here. We can become. Uh, we can find out where our power. Yeah. Um, what we would say is, is that we can transcend, you know, that we can, we can, we can tune into or, or access that higher part of us, or that, 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 um, yeah, that transcendental part of the mind. It, it's all so many of these. They're not the same, but they, they, they are similar. Yeah, I, I think I think they're all in the same kind of ballpark. Yeah. They're all about being yeah. present. They're all about being mindful of yourself and. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, speaking of mindful, I'm being mindful that you've got to get a, a half six bus. Yes. So uh, we're nearly there. We're nearly there. Yeah. Uh, tell us what's going on in the centre at the moment. People want to get involved. What's happening? What happens down here? I know Tuesday night is the Senga night. What else can people uh, avail of? I mean, it's an amazing service here. Okay, um, okay. I think we probably need to stop right now because I need to get the... Um, castles because there's a new round of them starting soon. Yeah, go get them. Yeah. Yeah, just send them come back. Yeah. We let it out. No panic. Yeah. Remember that we're on the 54th minute. What do you think? Pretty good, yeah. Dead, lots going on we have got um, Buddhist Action Month at the moment um, so there's lots of activities as a result of that because we're all taking lots of action um, so there's on the 22nd there's a Writing for Transformation workshop in the afternoon we have an outdoor meditation on Sunday the 23rd um, there's a special group called the Sub 35s and it's a specific a Buddhist group for people under the age of 35, hence its name. So you're telling me and Aaron because we're on the 35. You can go to that, yeah. yeah. I'm not, I've missed the way a couple of years. <laughs> Aaron, you can go. <laughs> uh, and and um, they would have uh, various activities, they have talks, they meet regularly. Um, and they're a great bunch of, yeah, it's a mixed group of mm. um, young men and women. So they've got something coming up. Um, um, on a Thursday on the 27th, 7.30 to 10. We've got a speaker coming over um, at the end of the month on the 28th, um, and he's written a number of different books, so he's, he's going to be coming over from 
and managed to to probably launch a book. Um, Fantastic. Yes. Manjugosha and Antunes. Mm. And you have the Tuesday night is the... The Tuesday night. The Sangha. Sangha night. That's the community night. It's half seven to ten o'clock, the first uh, hour. It's 9.45 it, actually. I have to clarify that 9.45. Yeah, so yeah. the first hour is meditation and then the, the second hour is... Is a talk for people that just yes, uh, for the yeah for the, the people who have just started to come to the center, um. So and then of course we have the tea break, which is a great opportunity yeah. to get to know and get to uh, chat. Oh, absolutely. I would recommend people though to do maybe the 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 foundation of meditation. Oh, yeah. Come and yeah. do that, and then come on a single night. I've done it the other way around. I just came because I had to be committed. I'm just going to go down and I'll start. Well, some people do start by just coming coming down to a single night and then signing up for classes. Yeah. Some people prefer to get a taste of it before they they yeah. commit to a five week course. So the next round of five week courses will be starting um in July, the middle of July. So again, if people want, are interested, if they contact the centre. Yeah, um, I would recommend it's a yeah. brilliant course. I done the met the Buffalo one. I thought mm. it was lovely. Yeah. But I think they'll all cover the, yeah. the the base of it. Oh yeah, they do. And of course, we have yoga here most days of the week as well. Yeah. Uh, different. There's different yoga teachers here. So, Fantastic. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much all that's going on. There's, there's usually that's going on, and we do have a newsletter. And there's a newsletter, <laughs> and there's a newsletter, and it's an amazing community and full of sound, beautiful people. Mm-hmm. Last question, last but not least, what's the one thing you would like people to take away after listening to this interview? Um. I can talk about Buddhism, I can talk about meditation all day, but really, if you really want to know about it, come try it out for yourself. And that's what I would say, just come try it out. There's no pressure, you can just come for one night, for a few weeks, just see what you think, and then make the decision if it's for you or not. So come see for yourself, would be my final words. I'm not actually surprised that you said that. Because uh, I have been down here, I felt it. I felt that attitude. There's no pressure, like whether it be about the chanting, the practices, everything. Practice, give it a go. If you don't want to do it, it's fine. You want to come, kill. Cool. You don't kill. Cool. There's no pressure. It doesn't feel. It's not like a, a cult or a, you know an organized religion. It just it just feels lovely. Again, that's just probably my perception, but I can vouch for it. I just think it's a lovely place to be. What's your thoughts, Aaron, after being here, never here before? How did you f- feel? What's it like for you? It's good, yes. A nice environment, relaxing. Uh, I was saying that to Aaron just before we come in. I, I'd be interested to see how you feel, because when I come in, the smell, yeah, my force, like the smell, the people taking your shoes off, yeah. like, look at me dodgy stockings, I have two odd socks, oh, by the way. Yeah, I should have told you, Aaron, I get to take your socks off. <laughs> but yeah, I just loved it, and I just loved the, the, the feel yeah so you know the taking the shoes off um, is partly because that it's 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 symbolic of leaving outside life outside is it so that we're just coming in it yeah yeah it's not just about the flow or respect it's, i didn't even symbolic. i thought it was respect i just thought you it was know, just there a practice is, but i didn't there's an element of that too but actually it's also symbolic yeah, yeah. that's lovely i just love that the idea that i'm, I'm leaving my um all my troubles of the day in the shoe rack. Brilliant, even the, just even being in the shoe rack, having the chats with people is <laughs> lovely. I've met some really interesting people having fascinating yeah. conversations. There was a lady in her seventies, and yeah. and just the stuff we talked about. You know, yeah. you would think age that she wouldn't be yeah. talking about those things, and I was like, you're a legend. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's some pretty amazing people. Yeah. Right. Well, speaking of pretty amazing, you're pretty amazing, and I'm absolutely delighted to uh, to have you on the show. Namaste. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.